0: This podcast is funded and supported by Wild Common, an additive-free agave spirits company bringing you some of the finest tequila and mezcal on earth. Our goal is to help give transparency to the consumer, provide a cleaner spirit, and support sustainable methods of production with the families that we work with in Mexico. Our products should be available summer 2020. We will keep you posted. Salud. Welcome to another Wild Common podcast. My name is Andy Barden, your host and the founder of Wild Common Agave Spirits. Today we're talking about cheating. A friend of mine, journalist and investigative reporter named Cordy McGros, recently wrote an article for Wired magazine titled Going the Distance and Beyond to Catch Marathon Cheaters. He and I were out before this whole COVID-19 outbreak occurred, and we were skiing and he started to tell me this story, and I thought it was just incredible. So I decided to have him on the show and discuss it. What Gordy found out in the course of his reporting was that there's an entire subculture of people who cheat during these large endurance races just to either get access to the Boston Marathon or to boost their social status for the approval of others. Gordy guides us through one of the men who's set up a site to actually find these cheaters using statistics provided from online races as well as other various techniques he's figured out over the years. If you have some spare time on your hands, I recommend that you read the Wired.com article that Gordy wrote, which is in my show notes. If not, enjoy the show, and you'll hear the bulk of the story here. All right, Gordy McGros, welcome to the show. Hi, Andy. How you doing? How you holding up over there in your, in your quarantine?
1: I'm doing well. I've got some work to do, so I have been occupied.
0: So you're writing?
1: I'm writing. Good. Yeah, I've Good. got a, a big project.
0: Nice. Well, I wanted to jump into a story uh, that you recently wrote for Wired Magazine about cheaters. Yeah. Uh, um, how did you come across this story?
1: Um, I'd originally been assigned a story by a magazine to look into a cheating incident. Um, and, uh, uh, it was going to just be a a short online story. And, um, in the course of my reporting, I found out that the cheater had been caught by this man, Derek Murphy, who runs a website out of Ohio called marathoninvestigation.com. So this is cheating in races. Four years. Correct. Cheating in endurance races and mostly marathons. Uh, The story I was looking into happened to be a triathlon, but uh, Derek, uh, you know, mostly probes uh, people who potentially have cheated in marathons.
0: Okay. So you get introduced to this guy, Derek Murphy, and, and the whole sort of saga starts to unfold.
1: Well, I gave Derek a call and I realized that this story about him and what he does was way more interesting than this one cheating incident. And so I developed a pitch around, uh, you know, what Derek does and, and, uh, who he might've, who he was going after next. Like what, uh, he basically catches people who cheat in races by using mostly, uh, online data and photos from races. Uh, sometimes they'll use, um, Strava uh, data. Sometimes they will use just um, uh, splits from races, and he'll look at discrepancies in the in the splits. Any anomalies throws up red flags, and he can sort of see if somebody might have been cheating in a race.
0: Okay. Um, and and so, so, so who is yeah. this guy? A statistician? Is he uh, a tech geek, or or where, where's this guy yeah. coming from?
1: He's like a business analyst, and he uh, lives in. Ohio, a suburb of Cincinnati, he's, you know, in his uh, late 40s, uh, father of two, you know, lives the very suburban dad life, uh, works at like a a healthcare company, you know, doing business analysis. But he is a amateur marathoner, and he uh, had run, I think, Oh, I can't remember five, five or something marathons. And in order to train, uh, for these marathons and find out information about marathons, he became an avid reader of dot com, which is a online message board for endurance runners. Um, and, uh, he, at some point, I think about four or five years ago, maybe longer now, uh, he, Noticed that uh, somebody had cheated. There was, you know, there was a lot of uh, talk about this one person who had cheated, and uh, there was a lot of discussion online. And Derek sort of said, "Wait a minute, this can't be the only person who cheats." And he went online and he discovered, within minutes, that you know, just by looking at race data, that somebody else had cheated in a race. And he did that simply by. Looking at their split times and seeing that there were anomalies in their split times the the person that he caught had run one split, I think two or three minutes faster than all the other splits or there were missing splits or something like that and he said this person's cheating and he he posted it on let's run and he posted everything he'd found on let's run and somebody said somebody should you know, have a website devoted to this catching race cheaters. And Derek said, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll start that website.
0: And so So this, this entire community is, uh, mostly amateur runners. They're training hard. They're trying to qualify for some of these races. And what I hear you saying is that other people are, are cheating their way into these major races like the Boston marathon or other ones that you do have to qualify for, which means that people who bust their ass don't get to make it.
1: Yeah. That's what incensed him the most. He, so this person that he went online and caught within minutes, uh, had qualified for the Boston marathon and he went on their Facebook account and saw that they were posting photos and bragging about the fact that they had qualified for the Boston marathon. And Derek thought, you know, that's not fair. This person didn't actually qualify for the Boston marathon. And so he, uh, you know, he, he, he thought it was really important. Um, He was interested in, in this and he thought that catching people would be sort of a fun hobby, but he also thought that his website would uh, preserve the integrity of the sport. And uh, that's exactly the words he uses.
0: And so marathon investigation is, is now a website. He creates this website and, and, what does it do? I mean, how does he find all this data?
1: Well, he, at first he was just sort of scanning all of the results or a lot of results. Somebody would maybe tip him off and say, I think that this person might've cheated or I think a number of people cheated in this race. Can you look at the results? Um, uh, let me back up a minute. In most of these races, uh, Anyway, most of the big marathons or even medium-sized marathons, people wear RFID chips that correspond with timing mats that are set along the course. So every time you cross a timing mat, it records your split time. And those in marathons like Los Angeles, Boston, New York, those timing mats are put down every 5K or so. Um, So, at first what he did was he would just look at all the splits from these races and see if anybody, any of those splits looked anomalous. And then he actually had a friend develop a web scraper for him. So it took all those results and put them into a Excel document. So it was easier for him to pick out these anomalies. Um, if he does find something that that uh, if he does find missing splits or really fast splits or anything like that, uh, what he'll do is then he'll look at the race photos, and if he sees that somebody is missing from a few of the race photos, then the chances are that they probably ducked off the course or cut through the course or jumped in a cab or a train or whatever, and got to the next timing mat or timing mats. Uh, you know, farther down the line uh, in a deceitful way.
0: And then what, they just duck the rope and continue running?
1: Yeah, and then they get back in the course and keep
0: running. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. who's Frank Meza?
1: Okay, so then in March of last year, uh, Derek Murphy was well, he was he was more or less tipped, tipped off on Frank Meza. Uh, there, there had been several people who uh, had seen Frank Meza run the Los Angeles Marathon, and this was in March of 2019. And uh, they had noticed that his time was really fast. Uh, it was actually the fastest marathon ever run by a 70-year-old man, which made it a Boston Marathon qualifying time. I think that was two hours and 52 minutes or two hours and 53 minutes, somewhere around there.
0: And that's like a Um, 640 or a 650 mile, right? Right. uh, I think it's
1: faster, like a 635 or something. And that's, that's moving. It's a, a, yeah, it's fast, especially for a 70 year old man. It's fast for anyone. But, um, so it seems suspicious. And then some photos surfaced on let's run, I think two or three photos. Uh, where users had had sort of used the Derek Murphy method, found some photos from from the race and posted them online. And in the photos, it appeared that Meza was running off the sidewalk back onto the course. Um, so Derek Murphy got, saw these photos and he reached out to Frank Meza. And Derek reaches out to everyone who who he is suspicious, might have cheated. Um, and he asked Frank to, you know, explain what was going on in those photos. And Meza wrote back and said, it, you know, I, can, I, I, I ducked off the course in order to go to the bathroom or something, something to that effect. And Derek, the next day, got several hundred more photos and he wouldn't tell me where he got them from but he got several hundred more photos and they he spent, he, he bought a, uh, a video program online for 50 bucks and he spent hours putting these photos together to create a video. And the video showed that Meza actually did come from the sidewalk uh, back onto the course. And what was more telling was that Meza didn't appear anywhere on the video before he came off the sidewalk back onto the court. Um, and I should probably explain who Frank Meza is in a little bit more detail. Frank Meza is a pretty well-known doctor uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, he was, uh, he's beloved, like pe- people uh, talk about Meza like he's a saint um, and he deservedly so. He treated a lot of people and did a lot for poorer communities and. Um, he, you know, he was, uh, uh, he's, he, he seemed like, and like he was a great doctor and an outstanding member of the community.
0: And so there's even stories about him having people over to his personal home and stitching them up on his kitchen table.
1: Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, like I said, people, people looked at Frank Meza as though he was a saint. So it was a little bit, you know, it, it was, uh, it was out of character to think that he would have cheated in the marathon.
0: And so what, why is a doctor, why is a 70 year old doctor cheating? Where, where does this come from?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it, the, the question that I tried to answer a little bit in this story was why does anybody cheat, which is super hard to do. People cheat for all different reasons. Um, but Derek's, and I don't know if this is the case with Frank Meza, but Derek Murphy believes that people cheat uh because of social media, or people are cheating a lot more because of social media. He thinks that people are running these races or, you know, running half these races, crossing the finish line, throwing the finisher medal around their neck and posting it to social media and he thinks that they do it all for the likes.
0: And so um, it's it's about vanity.
1: Yeah, I think in his eyes, but I mean, I think it's hard to say why anybody cheats. Why does anybody cheat at anything? You know, it's to get ahead. It's to, um, why anybody, why an amateur runner runner would cheat in a race where the entire point is to sort of test yourself. I could, like, I can't, I can't imagine why that is personally. I don't know why why somebody would cheat at an endurance race.
0: But especially um, somebody like Frank Meza, you know, in your article you point out saying that over a thousand people showed up after a tragic incident occurred and, and so he was loved by his community and and there's all these people who are already thanking him. Um, it just blows me away that, you know, he had to go to that extent that he's ducking ropes and taking cabs and, and being deceitful yeah. just, just for the validation of others.
1: Yeah, and I should point out uh, that the, the evidence is, is overwhelmingly against Frank Meza that he did, in fact, cheat in this race. Um, and Derek got into some serious analytics when breaking this down. Um, he, you know, he, he, he found that there was a, a man running near Meza who was using Strava. And that man's Strava time uh, worked out to something like eight-minute miles. So it would have been impossible that Frank was running six 30 minute miles. Right. Um, so now also found that Frank, sorry.
0: So now, so Derek calls Frank out, he calls him up, writes him yeah. an email and, and then what happens?
1: Well, Frank, he, he wrote Frank several emails and, and finally Frank said it, it, uh, he wrote to Derek and said, it looks like you're trying to discredit me the next email you get will be from my lawyer and so that's where that sort of ended um, so Derek wrote his stories about Frank uh, and he had and in his original story about Frank on his website he also pointed out that it looked as though Frank had cheated in some other races and he included that in his reporting And, um, he wrote, I think one more story. Uh, and in that story, he wrote about how Frank had cheated in even more races and the LA marathon eventually did disqualify him. Um, and, um, I don't know if you want me to keep going from here or, or if you want me to stop and and go back a little bit, because Derek and I also caught somebody else cheating before all this happened.
0: Okay, so who else is he investigating?
1: Well, so, be, I mean, before any, before Frank Meza was even on the radar, when I was originally assigned this story, um, it was because Derek was, uh, he had become sort of obsessed, for lack of a better word, with another uh, runner that he suspected was cheating. And this woman um, lived, lives in San Antonio, Texas, And she is the Guinness world record holder for most marathons run in a year and most marathons run, uh, consecutively. And Derek suspected that she was a cheater and he actually caught her. Um, he, he caught, he caught her running in a marathon in Nepal. And then she owns and operates a marathon series in San Antonio. And he found that she was in the results of those races, one in Nepal and one of her races in San Antonio, a day after the race in Nepal. So he figured that that couldn't, couldn't be possible. Right. And he sent all that to Guinness. And Guinness said uh, it wasn't enough evidence. And so Derek figured the only way to catch her or to, to have her results invalidated was to catch her in the act. So he decided he was going to go to San Antonio and catch her cheating in one of her own races, either by skipping parts of the course or by not running it at all, and then inserting herself into the results. So he invited me to go down there with him, which I did. And that's exactly what happened. She didn't run the race at all. We actually interviewed her during the race. And then two days later, she inserted herself into the results.
0: So you're, standing on the sidelines talking to this lady, people are running by. How does she possibly think she can get away with this?
1: I think it's just because not a lot of people notice. And um, I think the reason that she does it uh, is to, so she claims to have also run more than, I think, 1300 marathons or something like that in her lifetime. And she continues to, up that number. And for her having this big number of marathons that she's run is a marketing thing. Like, you know, she runs this mar- she, she owns and operates this marathon series. And so if the woman who owns and operates that is a Guinness world record holder, and is also still um, adding to that number of most marathons ever run by a woman, then it makes her look, you know, even better, I guess. And so, uh, but I think that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, people don't really notice if she's not running or not, uh, if she's running or not. And so they don't notice that she's been inserting herself into the results.
0: And so did you get to ask her about any of these things or were you making small talk with her?
1: Yeah. No, I asked her point blank uh, if any of the race's that were included in her records uh, if they were uh, part of any of the races that she'd run at her own events were part of her records. And she said, no. And when you go back and look at the data at, at her records and what races are included in her records, there are races run at her own events so that, you know puts a big cloud of suspicion over her Guinness world records.
0: And she's also been disqualified in the past. Is that correct?
1: She was disqualified from a few races. Yeah. For cut, for supposedly cutting courses. Um, but, uh, but Guinness, you know, at the time anyway, they, they weren't interested in that or they, they didn't think it was enough evidence. After we went to San Antonio and um, found out that she had inserted herself into the results of the race, uh, Derek reached out to Guinness again, and they gave him the same response. They said, "We're not interested.
0: Well, and we're so not going
1: to change the record."
0: What's it like sitting with Derek? I mean, you said earlier that you know he said, "Quote: The point is to preserve the integrity of this sport." You know, at what point? Is it enough for him?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was the thing that sort of stood out the more time I spent with Derek and the more time I spent on the phone with Derek, the more I got to know Derek is that, you know, he definitely he takes this really seriously, takes it to heart. And I sort of wondered, um, and I wrote this right in the story, if he was sort of obsessing too much over uh, this particular incident in San Antonio. And he said uh, something to the effect of, no, these records are, uh, these records can't be beaten now. So, you know, until Guinness overturns uh, the, the records, I'm going to continue to uh, try to, you know, I'm going to do my best to, to make sure that happens. And so that's what he continued to do. And then the whole Frank Meza incident came along. Um, And he seemed to sort of obsess over Frank Meza too. So to pick that story back up after he wrote the two pieces and uh, on his website and Frank Meza was disqualified from the LA marathon, uh, Derek then continued to write stories about him. And uh, he continued to find other races in which he had probably cheated. And he, um, you know, was in, in one post, he was, pretty upset that people were still giving frank credit for having you know uh run in all these races and or, or or i think what really bothered what really bothered derek was that Meza wasn't being discredited entirely and that's uh i guess why derek continued to write these stories
0: and, um, and so, so were other people starting yeah. to jump on the bandwagon and Call Frank out was Frank being sort of.
1: I mean, there, there were there were those people, but there were also people who were calling Derek out. Like at this point, uh, people were people felt as though Derek was was almost you know cyber bullying Frank, and that's certainly what Frank's family felt. Frank's family, I should point out, doesn't believe that Frank cheated, and um, you know, and and there were plenty other people, pr- plenty of other people who supported Frank and were, um, you know, had some not so nice things to say about Derek. Um, even if Frank had cheated, uh, there were people who believed that Derek was taking it too far at this point.
0: And so Derek keeps pushing, keeps pushing, keeps pushing. Frank grabs his shoes, kisses his wife, goes for a run. And then what happens?
1: So Frank had been sort of cooped up inside for a while because there had been, um, uh, television trucks outside his house and he was just trying to avoid having to do interviews with them. This had become a pretty big story at this point. Um, the LA times wrote a story about it. Um, there were television reports. There was, uh, I think a people magazine article or something. Um, and so he, he hadn't really gotten out to go for a run in a couple of days. And he told his wife that he was going to go for a short run. This was the morning of the 4th of July. And, uh, Garrick had actually posted another story that morning about Frank and he got his shoes, got in his wife's car and drove to a neighborhood called Frogtown where he had grown up. And it's just, it's near uh, Dodger stadium and parked the car, made his way down a a path, uh, a running trail near Dodger Stadium, stopped at a bridge and jumped off and and killed himself.
0: Wow. And did you talk to his family?
1: Yeah, so about a month after that happened, um, I went to LA. And met with his family in Pasadena. And, um, you know, I, I went to the house and, um, uh, his wife greeted me at the door. They had a beautiful home in, pa- in South Pasadena. Um, and, uh, you know, the home was decorated with a lot of, uh, uh Latin artwork. And, um, uh, there were, you know, several paintings by Mexican artists hanging all over the place. I guess Mesa had been a, a big art collector and, um, uh, sat down and, um, I think we talked for over two hours. Um, but they, you know, they were telling me about all the great things that Frank had done and, you know, how dedicated a runner he was and, um, you know, and then they sort of got into what happened to him and they really did feel as though Derek Murphy pushed him to this. And Frank had left a video on the, the uh, seat of the car before he got out of it. And it had said uh, something along the lines of, I can't, you know, I can't deal with this anymore. The whole world, it feels like the whole world is against me and he didn't, specifically say anything about Derek, but the family certainly felt as though Derek Murphy had taken it too far and that they had pushed Frank to suicide or he had pushed Frank to suicide.
0: Did you talk to Derek Murphy?
1: Yeah, I talked to Derek several times after Frank's suicide. Uh, originally, uh, Derek, uh, I'll, I can sort of tell you what happened so that night Derek was on his phone he had he'd gone to watch fireworks with his daughter and he had gotten on his phone and he was scrolling through his phone and there was something on Let's Run about Frank Meza committing suicide and Murphy thought no this, this can't be you know it can't be and he thought it was just a sick joke and so he wanted to be present with present with his daughter so he put his phone away and went and watched the fireworks and then got home a couple hours later and opened his computer and there were emails from media asking him for interviews. And he at that point realized that it had in fact happened. And the first thing he did is he went into crisis management and emailed somebody who works on his social media accounts or helps him with his social media accounts and said, if this blows up on, on our, accounts, you know, take care of it, make sure that it doesn't get too crazy. And, um, then he went over to his couch and sat down and started sobbing. And the next day he posted something to his website and social accounts saying along the lines of, so, you know, I feel terrible about what's happened. And uh, I think he said, give Frank is base, And he said, or Frank's family, their space. And I won't be making any more comments. Um, and he didn't for, I don't know, several weeks. Um, and when he did finally, he he got a therapist and he worked with the therapist for a while. He said to me that he he said it was a dark, dark period of his life. And he wasn't trying to compare it to what the mezzas had gone through, but it affected him deeply. And he thought about shutting down his website, but enough people reached out to him and said, you know, and and offered support and said, you know, this wasn't your fault. And, and he believed deep down that it wasn't his fault. So uh, when he, finally came to a decision that he would keep the website going, he went online and wrote a story uh, and sort of broke down all the things that had happened in the Frank Meza saga. And he, um, you know, wrote in there that the, he he knew that the family thought that he had bullied Frank, cyber bullied Frank, and that that caused his suicide. And uh, Derek said, you know, Derek defended himself and said this isn't that wasn't cyberbullying, that was reporting. And so after that he went and you know, he started publishing several stories a week like he had been. Um, and
0: and so he's then, he's wrapped up internally yeah. with this conflict of being an objective journalist, simply recording and sharing facts with the motivation of maintaining the integrity of the sport as well as you know a softer side of him feels responsibility for Frank's death.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, no, I think that Derek um was genuinely affected by this. I I I I, I don't think that he's a sociopath at, by any means. He he definitely was empathetic um and He felt bad, he felt horrible. He did not want this to happen. But at the same time, he felt that what he was doing was still honorable work and that it needed to be done um, in order to help preserve the integrity of of running. And until somebody else came along or, or these races did a better job of weeding out cheaters, that that was gonna be his job, his calling. So he was going to keep doing it.
0: And so he feels like race directors need to take the responsibility to have these RFIDs as well as, you know, a simple algorithm that says this is a 20% faster split than your previous split is really not humanly possible. There's a red flag there.
1: Yeah. I think in an ideal world, he does think that that's the way it should work. Um, But uh, i don 't know if that's possible i don't know if the the races have the manpower to do that i don't know the sport well enough to know you know what that would take um derek though doesn't doesn't think that they 'll ever be able to get to that point. He thinks that there'll always be a need for somebody like him
0: and so then eventually he gets a call from the Guinness Book of World Records.
1: Well, he gets an email. So he's publishing several stories a week and he gets an email from Guinness and he had been, he'd been keeping on that story too, or that, that, um, you know, he'd been c- continuing to try to get this woman's uh, uh, records invalidated. And he had reached out to an adjudicator who he thought might be able to get more done on that front. And uh, I, I, I guess it worked because. He um, uh, he got an email that he just forwarded to me with no comment, and it said that the records would, were had been invalidated. And um, I wrote back to Derek. I texted him, and I said, so does that mean that this case is closed? And he wrote back and said, if she continues to promote the fact that she's a Guinness World Record holder, I could write more. <laughs> So it it sort of was, um, I don't know, it it was sort of telling and uh, to me, I I didn't write this in the story, but I felt like he was sort of going down the same path as Frank Meza. Um, He was, you know, he had gotten what he was looking for, but at the same time, he wasn't willing to give up until she was completely invalidated in the entire running community.
0: And so, I mean, how do you, as a journalist, you know, how does that sit with you? You know, you're, you're looking for these stories, you're looking for truth. You know, one could argue that Derek is in the pursuit of truth.
1: Yeah, I had the hardest time with this. I, I actually still don't know if I have come to a, a conclusion as to what I think. Um, I feel like what he does in a sense is important. Like nobody should cheat. And, um, what he's doing is, you know, he is calling out the cheaters and he's doing it in a very professional way. He always reaches out to these people and, um, you know, and, and make sure that he gets their side of the story. Um, at the same time, there is a saying in journalism, which is to do the least harm. So, um, you, do, you know, you report the stories and uh, sometimes there are consequences. Um, I don't know that it was important enough to continue to write stories about an amateur runner who had already been disqualified from a race. I don't know, I'm not sure if that took it too far, but at the same time, I don't really wanna be the one to make that call because I feel like that should be left up to each person. Uh, I'm, you know, I guess because I am a journalist, I sort of try to take myself out of it and not uh, make a decision, you know, based on my own biases. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, It's a hard call anyway. I don't know that I could say one way or another whether what he's doing is right or wrong. I think that's up to everybody else to decide.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think it is an individual opinion, but you've got this really man made race uh, where human beings line up from point A to point B. Um, you know, integrity does matter. You can't have people like cutting courses, or what's the point? What the hell are you doing? Um, yeah. But at some point, I, right? You need to you need to call it what it is and and say, look, we've there's been some discrepancies and. Your your splits aren't adding up. You've been flogged in our system and you know it has an asterisk and let it go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I you know, I don't know. I, I I agree with you. I don't think anybody should cheat in anything. Uh, you know, cheaters bug me. But um yeah, I do I do think that there is there there's a point where it does cross the line from journalism to something
0: else agreed and it sounds like you know from my opinion it sounds like it has
1: yeah 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 i mean and and, you know i i encourage people to read the story because it uh, for one thing i spent almost a year working on this thing so um uh you know it it would hearten me to know that people are reading it, but also because it really does lay out every, every little bit of this story.
0: And, and so, just, you know, so where can, really uh, where can people currently find this article? Well, you
1: can go to my, you can read the PDF on my website, which is just Gordy Negro, G O R D Y M E G R O Z.com. Um, there's a PDF there of the, ma- the actual magazine story or it's also online at Wired.com.
0: And this is uh, one of the more recent articles on Wired.com, so it can be found right towards the top. Otherwise, you know, I'll be sure to link to it in the notes as well. Um, I read it, uh, and I agree. It's full of rich storytelling details about all of these characters building up background context, um, you know, and it, it makes you think. Makes you think about all of them, and you have empathy for Frank's family. Um, on the one hand, you see why this woman is is doing it for the Guinness Book of World Records to move the needle on her own business, um, but you also can't help but be sympathetic for Derek to to be in the pursuit of truth.
1: Yeah, it's it's a real, it's a t- it was a tough story to tell, and it and it's it's I think it's from what I've heard from everybody else, it's a tough story to to read, um, uh, just because you, there are so many mixed emotions.
0: Well, excellent journalism. Um, I'll be sure to link up, uh, the article to Wired as well as your website in the show notes. Um, and thanks for stopping by on the show.
1: Thanks buddy.